0: Black love fam, what do we know to be true? Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and the good folks at Target are here for all of it. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in a Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting black entrepreneurs shop black owned or founded brands at target from home decor and candles to beauty wellness products. And as you all know, so much more <laughs> surround yourself, enjoy and amplify your black love with the help of the black owned and founded brands at target every day, visit target.com slash black to learn more. What's up, Black Love fam and first-time fam? We are back for part two with the one and only Brian Winston. We just did not have enough time. And I really want to dig into what you do. I want to dig into how you help the good people. And Brian let's dig into it. So Gnosis, NLP, yeah. and at the heart of it all, you are a, what What type of coach, how would you describe your coaching?
1: So people end up saying, oh, you're a life coach. And I guess that's a, that, mm. that's the most familiar term, but an executive coach is someone who works with someone who owns, at least for me, uh, someone mm. who owns a business or someone who runs a team. It's around their leadership. Now, am I using the same tools as a life coach? Well, probably most of the same, many of the same tools that a life coach would use, but person who I'm talking to, it, they run a company, they, they have a team. Most For the most part, I have people who don't fall into that, but for the most part, the people who run, who run a team or who, have a, who own a business. So so, executive coach or leadership coach, I guess is what you call
0: it. Gotcha. What type of things do you see? Are there any consistent issues, consistent challenges, problems that just come up over and over and over again?
1: I guess the most broad strokes are, you know... Cloudiness, doubt and stagnation. Those are the ones that come up most like that's those like the big broad strokes, but like specific problems are like hiring is a problem. Uh, Overwhelm is a problem. So the people who I really enjoy working with most are people who have a team who either they're not getting what they expect from their team or things are good on paper, but their way of doing it is just unsustainable. It's and it's draining the life out of Minnesota.
0: Is it what the person is doing?
1: So a lot of times someone's a high performer, right? They do they do really well individually. And because they do well individually, either they'll give themselves a, a promotion or they'll be promoted. So they give themselves a promotion by, okay, I'm working at the company now. I'm going to go off and start my own company, or they're promoted inside of a company. Hey, you're listen, you're a high performer. Now we want to put you and bring you onto leadership. And those are those many times are different skills. Like sure, being a high performer on your own doesn't mean that you're going to be a good leader. So now they're stuck with a whole list of problems, like, you know, high expectations for people without having a clear agreement. But before, when you're a high performer, communication is important, but not as important as it is when you're, when you're a leader. It's super important when you're, you're a leader. And you're not able to, one, articulate your vision in a way that's impactful, or you're not clear enough so that you can articulate uh, your vision. And then you have these expectations of how people are supposed to be. So then I help people with that gap between being a high performer and being and being a leader. It's the way that they are. It's the way that they're delegating. It's the way they're looking at things. If they're in a place where they're like, my team sucks, then maybe they do suck. Maybe they're, they're not doing well. They're not but it has to also do with you being a leader. Why does your yeah. team suck? Yeah. Why is your team not performing? What's what's in the way of your team performing? What are you What are you doing or not doing this impeding your team's progress or keeping them from being high performers themselves? Or things are working out well. Their team is doing well. They're good on paper, but they're just overwhelmed with stuff. They're in the weeds. They're not spending yeah. that time. And what I provide, I allow. I, I give them time, time to see the bigger picture. You're so much in the picture. Yeah, you just don't. You can't lead from on the battlefield. You have to go on top of a hill, go up into a tree, and look over and survey. Or else you're going to lose the you're going to lose the war. So I, I give them, I, I allow them that
0: opportunity. Hmm. And so, what do you see as it relates to leadership? I, I think there are a lot of values in leadership that I think one can use, whether they own a business or not, whether mm-hmm. they lead a team or not, whether they are a high performer or not. I, I think there are a lot of amazing values and, and amazing benefits to being a leader, to having a leader and a leadership mindset. Are there things that you bring up or, or certain types of personality traits that you train them to become or behaviors?
1: Listening is important and listening takes humility. That's important. Hmm. Vision, having a vision of what you'd like to create is, 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 is important. And, I, and like you said, I, I agree with what you said. I think the great leadership traits are just success traits, really. If you look at them. It's the, yeah, it's the ability to listen. And this is what it is, really. If I really break it down, like, so what does it take to be a great leader? Yeah. Right? It's the same thing that it takes to be a good salesman. It's the same thing it takes to be a good coach. You have to, one, be able to build rapport. And we're talking about NLP now. These are NLP. Some of these things are NLP things. Being okay. able to build rapport, like, to being able to, okay, let's make a connection. Like, how are you and I the same? And being able to draw that out. How are you and I the same? What do we have in common? Or, you know, and then from there, it's being able to really listen, listen to someone on a deep level, what they're really saying what they're not saying and finding out what that person wants and needs right so it's building rapport finding out what that person wants and needs and then doing what you can to help them to move Closer to what they to what they want and need. That's really what it takes to be a great leader, a great salesperson, and a great a great coach. It's all the same. Hmm. And what because do you, if you make it about yeah. what you want, people could taste that, people could smell that, yeah. people could sense that. Bit. Yeah. If you if you're you've been in conversations with a salesperson, and you know they're just trying to get that money.
0: I've just trying been to a get, salesperson. To get the money uh, out of your yeah. bank into their bank. <laughs> exactly.
1: And it's gross. It's like oh, get away. Yo. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> but if they, but, it, but then you also had situations with sales people where it's like, oh man, I really felt good about that. I, I felt like that person was really trying to help me, he really cared about what I wanted to need. Right. Um, so yeah, that's what
0: I think. No. I, what, are you I, what do you
1: think, What do you think are good <laughs> leadership traits? <laughs> I, I
0: think what you did mention, I am a big believer in humility. So it's interesting you brought that up. It's even more interesting you brought up it takes humility to be a good listener. So I value myself. I pride myself in being a good listener. I feel, I guess I'll take a step back. You brought up sales. I had a lengthy amount of years as a salesperson and I never Never quote unquote fit in with the typical salesperson because a typical salesperson is what you mentioned. It was like, you know, I got a car for you. You want to buy it? It's only you know nine nine and $9, $9, $9, or you know like, or or something to that extent. And no matter what the thing was, it was always the salesy salesy you know watch this hand, don't look at the other hand type of scenario. Yeah. And I always came to it as person to person. I need to build a relationship if I want to create an ongoing partnership. I can't. Yeah. I can't have a partnership with you if everything's transactional, if everything's merely give me a check, give me this money. There's nothing there between us except transactions. So we need to go deeper. And again, one of the things I pride myself in the most is being able to listen to people, understand people, understand where they're coming from, where their pain points are, and just Mm -hmm. getting to the heart of who they are as a person that (laughs) easily leapfrogged over a lot of other typical salespeople, but in terms of relationships and dynamics and being able to learn about human behavior. I, I think there's something interesting with leadership and human behavior. That's a whole other thing. But I do agree with this humility scenario, and it's something that I believe, especially the hustle culture we grew up with. Humility was not a thing. Like if if you think of the folks we looked up to, especially in our culture, you look at a Diddy. You know, now he's all about love. It took him a few decades, but he's finally (laughs) coming into the love. But he still has, you know, he still has the old him. But hustle culture was all about take no prisoners. Art of war, you know, how do I conquer? Get up earlier than every other person. In none of that is humility. In none of that are you listening, observing, trying to understand the behavior of the other person. And I think nowadays, more than ever, with a lot of conversations, a lot of things in media, a lot of things politically, a lot of things socially, as a society, we've just gotten to a point of polarization. It's yes or no, it's up or down, it's left or right, it's black or white. Again, one of my things that I live by is life happens in the gray. If you can understand why is that person upset? Why is that person a skinhead? Why does this person grow up to be who they are, you know, and, and really understand like, where did that, where did that come from? And as you dig deeper and if you can listen and if you can read between the lines or have the opportunity to ask these questions to said person. There are a lot of similarities there's a lot of hurt probably when well, now i'm talking about mm-hmm. you know why is someone a skinhead why does someone hate someone but it, it right. but it really at the end of the day it really does come down to someone's traumatic experience of why they are who they are why they're labeled or labeled themselves as who they are and for myself growing up i was always told oh he's shy he's shy but i wasn't shy like when i had the opportunity to find myself and be myself, I'm not shy. I I I'm, right. I'm an ambivert. I, I I flow between, you know, the, this whole and maybe I made it a thing of mine being a Gemini where it's like, yeah, I flow between my time, me time, being introverted, being introspective and then having my I want to talk to 100,000 people on stage type of scenario. But at right. the end of it, I don't consider myself shy, but when I was a kid I was beca- or told I was because I had these experiences that made me quiet. I couldn't speak yeah. up and that's a whole therapy session unto itself but it you know yeah. b- between family and immediate family there were just a lot of situations that kept me quiet that kept me to myself.
1: Can I ask you a question about that Dave? Absolutely. I remember us having a conversation if I'm, I could be mistaken about this but your opinion on the usefulness of therapy has changed. Would you would you, would you say that's <laughs> that's accurate?
0: Absolutely accurate. 100% accurate.
1: Because I, I remember, I, I'm not sure if it was, if I overheard a conversation you had with someone else, so I think you would, may have been talking to my wife, and at some point you were like, yeah, you didn't think that there was a lot of, there was value to, to therapy. But that's changed for you. What 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 changed that? What was like...
0: <laughs> Humility, <laughs> to be honest Humility. with you. <laughs> so I think everyone at a certain time in their life, you get a chip on your shoulder. You feel like you know everything. And... You don't because life will reflect that on you and that it's always ongoing learning. But I got to, I was at a point in my life then, and I, I can almost feel this time. I don't remember the conversation, but I can feel that era where I just thought I knew everything. I was like, yeah. God is this and it's about that, and you don't need therapy and you can do it on your own and so on and so forth. But I had my own challenges. And in seeing how people were able to talk through traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. seeing, seeing it before it became kind of, I guess, cool on social media to talk about therapy and pre that it was more of hearing people go to therapy. And it was more than just the laying on the couch and saying, it's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. This is why I am the way I am. Cry about yeah. it. Rinse and repeat. There are there, There's getting to the root of problems. And I think that's something that started to click. When I started hearing about seeing that people were able to get to the root of these issues and get to the heart of it. And it was more than just, oh, I blame my mom. I blame my dad for who I am. But it Mm -hmm. was more of these things happened by virtue of my mom, by virtue of my dad, by virtue of my environment, by virtue of, I don't know, that one night in an apartment, blah, blah, blah. That's when I said, hmm, maybe there's something more to it. To this, you know, my current view on it, it's totally... Valid, necessary, a beautiful thing when you find the right person to be a therapist for you. And it is part of a bigger whole, though. I feel therapy is great, but therapy is greater when you're, quote unquote, doing the work. And doing the work as it relates to self-care, as it relates to opening and expanding Scenarios really digging deep into those things you talked about a therapy because I feel like a, right. I, I I I won't I don't want to generalize I don't want to say oh everybody just comes out of a therapy session and it's like okay I'll wait till I go back to therapy to talk about it address mm-hmm. it but some people do and I think that's what was twisted in my head where I just yeah. thought in therapy you just you know a therapist says so what do you want to talk about hmm? well, right
1: <laughs> it, so, so, yeah, so it sounds like for you it was like a you just learn more about it. Like you just came to a different under, like for one, it was like your mindset around therapy. But then as you started to really learn more about it, then you started, that, that, that's what changed your perspective. And that's you know, what brings up for me now. And I don't know if you, you hear the sirens. Is that loud?
0: New York city, baby. I live in like, I yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. AKA New York city.
1: <laughs> um, another thing that I think is important for a leader and that's flexibility. Mm. It's the ability to be, the ability to be flexible. So, and going back to the the whole thing about humility, I think I think in any leader, if you really go back in the history, it, it may not they may not have led with humility, like it may not like sure. their, their movement may not have been about humility. But if you really look at them, any leader, I think they had an understanding of what the they had a they, they, they had they had an understanding of what the people wanted to some degree. Sure, right? Sure. They had some, uh, so they so at some point they had to listen. They had to be listening. Um, uh, to what the people wanted, unless they were like some monarch that got thrown onto a throne and they didn't have to do that or whatever. You know? Sure, sure. But I, but I think in at least at least in, in modern times, when people uh, earn leadership to some degree, you know, if we look at Donald Trump, right, you know, we could we could talk about the poor, how you know, how, how you know the what's bad about Donald Trump. And sure, I'm not going to disagree with most, most of that. But you got to realize that he knew he he saw that there was an underserved community. There was a community of people mm-hmm. who were who did not feel like they were okay. heard yeah. or yeah. understood. Yep. Now whether this was conscious or unconscious, I'm not sure. It seems like it worked so well. They were, it was conscious. There was some conscious. research that went into that. Yeah. And it, it, he was like, it, it, "All right, well, look, <laughs> this is what it is," and yeah. he started to talk their language, and yep. they were like, "Oh, right." Make America great again? Yeah, I remember when America was great, whatever that means.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: let's go there. Yeah. And he was up there. I never forget. <laughs> this has nothing to do with humility at all. But I think it's <laughs> Sure. <no. Yeah. laughs> when, I, when I first understood it, I yeah. first was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. It, it was like the uh, Republican uh, debate, and there was like 10 of them on stage. It was like uh, him and the Ted Cruz and Jeb yeah. Bush and yeah. the, the black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was like the... Right. And yeah. Donald Trump turned and said, wow, Ted Cruz, you're such a liar. You're almost as bad as Jeb Bush. He was up there taking shots. Shots fired. And so certain people would see that and be like, oh, man, yeah. I wish I could say that to, the, yes. to those politicians. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. So people started. to. So he understood he understood what people with a certain group of people really wanted. Yeah. really wanted yeah. and still want now. Yeah, So even for him, we don't think of him as someone who's who, who's, uh, who has a lot of humility, but there is a some level because he's listening. He's listening to what mm-hmm. the people, mm-hmm. a people, group yeah. people a, yeah. really want. So I think that humility thing, even if Diddy, Diddy had to listen to, okay, so what do the people really like? What kind of music did they really like? So even if he didn't lead with it and didn't, yeah. his his brand wasn't about mm. humility, there had to have been some level where he was listening to what the people wanted or else he wouldn't be successful. Yeah. And I just want to speak to, you know, to your growth, Dave, you know, I, I, over the years, just watching you and seeing how you progress, like, you know, we go way back, we go back mm. to 18, 19 years old, right? And seeing who you <laughs> were then, who I was then. <laughs> Good God. That's, <laughs> right? a <whole> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. And, you know, I, I just want to speak to, to your development and to going from someone who's like, man, therapy, screw that, man. That's for some crazy people, <laughs> or whatever you were thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or it doesn't work, and yeah. to be like, you know what? I can really see the, I can really see the value in it, and to say that, you know, it's not just about therapy. It's about, it's about that person doing that work. Because you're right, man. Like, depending on who the therapist is, maybe, maybe you know, some. I think some therapy, the whole thing is just really creating a, a powerful insight, and because you hit that powerful insight, you move differently. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know that you can just get a powerful insight and then not work behind it and things really rapidly um change so i agree with you on that hey, I yeah i admire you man i admire i, just, I admire what, what what you're doing i admire how far you come and you know i think so i think it's
0: dope man i appreciate that brother thank you like genuinely i i appreciate that and i am accepting as <laughs> the <laughs> listeners have recognized over the past few episodes i am allowing myself to receive compliments and accolades and whatever positive messaging no it's not it's it's wild to me and it's it's wild to me that it's been so difficult for me to accept this it's been so difficult but speaking to folks here and just out there it's been eye-opening and i realized i was one of those people i didn't think i was i was like no of course but then i would take and scan myself when someone gave me a compliment was i genuinely taking it was i deflecting it Mm -hmm. and there's something someone mentioned this he mentioned something about when you do not allow someone's compliment to resonate with you you not only have shut out from the universe however you want to label a higher power you've so you shut out that opportunity for yourself to be grateful Mm -hmm. you've also shut out that person's light, and you've you've mm. in effect dimmed that person's light as well because right. you deflected it. So this right. person is giving, yeah. and you're like, "I don't want your gift." That's right? Awful. Right. True. That's awful.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. I agree. And it, sometimes, it, sometimes it's uncomfortable, man. You know what? I, I was listening to. I don't know who it was. I think it may have been David R. Hawkins. I was listening to. I was listening to the audio books. And he was talking about different people's responses to kindness. Like if you pull up to mm. a light, right, and you see someone next to you and you smile at them, some per- some people may smile back. Right. Some people may like, like ugh. And yeah. some people may want to get away from that light as fast as possible. Right. And it, and to some degree, it it, it kind of shows where you are in consciousness. To some degree, your, your response to mm. kindness. I remember there was this gym. I used to work out at Equinox here on uh, here in, in New York. And there was this trainer who, like, it, it, I could always feel like there was this weird energy between he and I. It was just a weird, like, the way he would look at me. or And, and I remember a couple of times I would try to, like, you know, engage with him a little bit, but in a friendly way. Yeah. And I felt like the more friendly I was, the more he would, like, back away. <laughs> I remember one time he was doing some work exercise with a client. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that exercise. And he was like, yeah, 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 right, right, right. And, and like, it like, made it worse. <laughs> like, it made it worse. Like, like he, like, it, like it's almost like every time I engaged with him in a kind way, it was almost like he backed off even, even more. And some people are just like that, man. And I, I've been that person too. You've been that mm, person too, where yeah. someone gives you a compliment or someone's yeah. kind to you, and it's like, oh yeah, right, thanks. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah, they kind of side eyed a little bit. Yeah, but I hear what you're saying, though. You know, if you're not taking that compliment in, if you're not really engaging with it, allowing that to set in, and you're. You're robbing that person. You're robbing yourself of that light and you're robbing that person is trying to shed light on you. You're robbing them of that feeling. It feels good to give a genuine compliment and have somebody receive it,
0: right? Absolutely, absolutely. There's something that Jay-Z interview with the New York Times from a few years back where Jay-Z brought up why certain people in the hood act the way they do and why they act out angrily. Mm. And he said, he, he mentioned something about you know, if I were to walk down the street and smile at somebody, they would think there's a hidden agenda. Right? Why? Why are you smiling at me? Why are you so happy? there's, there's right. got to be an ulterior motive. Right. And he said, you know, that's from their trauma. That's from their traumatic experience growing up in the right. environment that they did, where they, could, right. they can't accept your love. They don't have that acceptance, and they right. don't have that knowledge and understanding that it's okay <laughs> to smile. It's okay to smile back. It's okay to be happy. You don't always have to have yeah. this hard exterior. And you yeah. hear this from somebody like Jay-Z who grew up in Marcy Projects. And, you know, I'm not saying I had it as as bad, but I had my challenges. You've had your challenges as I, I think, I mean, just, just being melanated in this country, you have a certain guard up. You have this dual persona. So mm-hmm. you have the... For the general world, it's like okay, I have to behave a certain way, and then within your own community, depending on how affluent or not affluent, or you know, if you're growing up around the way or in the hood, or you know, in the PJs, whatever it may be, you have to, especially as men, you almost, you have to toughen up. You got to put this guard on. You got to put this shield on, and and this mm. like this this protective gear to show. That you're tough enough. That you can't. That you don't. no nah, I don't show emotions. I don't shed tears. I'm I'm bigger than that. I'm yeah. stronger than that. And I also feel, of course, that comes from an older paradigm. But it sits in a lot of melanated communities to this day. Whether it's you know machismo and Latin cultures, yeah. whether it's within our culture. Only recently could a rapper come out as other than hetero and still have a career. And, and, and actually be lauded and, and cheered for, of course. There's the backlash that comes probably tenfold for him in Lil Nas, you know what, Lil Nas X? X. Yeah.
1: That brother didn't come out the closet. He dove out. <laughs> he dove out and tackled motherfuckers. <laughs> God damn. Can we, can we, <laughs>
0: we're from,
1: we're from Frank Ocean to Frank United Ocean's like, oh, yeah, I'm gay. Yeah. Dude, this motherfucker, he's like, oh, no, I'll show no, you the game.
0: I'm going to show y'all. <laughs>
1: I'm going to show you Oh, Frank Ocean. Watch Hold my beer. <laughs> wow.
0: You're going to learn Amazing. today. Yeah. You're going to learn today. Yeah.
1: And, you know, what's interesting about that, too, now, as I say that, is, like, you know, if we talk about, like, like what, what is, we, you know, before we talk about what's masculine, what's feminine, like, even what's yeah. even what's gay, like, who even knows what gay is? Like, from what I understand, Prince was straight. Right? <laughs> right, 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 um, right. So like, what is, what is it to be masculine and feminine? What is it to be gay? And what is it to be straight? And you know, what, what that, I think it's pretty, I think it's a pretty interesting thing where at this point now where we're questioning a lot of these things, like, what is it, like, what does it mean to be really gay? What does it mean to be really straight? What does that even look like? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very, very, really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I, I think we're at, again, for me, or again, for the first time in this episode, but I I may have mentioned this before on one of the previous episodes, this timing, this, you know, whatever you want to call it, if you want to call it, you know, the pandemic and this great resignation and the great this and the great that and the great other, this and the other, I feel all of this has allowed for a big shakeup in society. I feel like there's been Mm -hmm. certain movements that have come about and when people had a couple good years to sit and think about things and reevaluate their lives, reevaluate society as a whole, I think a lot of these other movements pushed forward, broke through, started new movements, got stronger, got quieter because it, that movement wasn't the right movement or wasn't right for society in these times. And I think right now is a, it's what a time, you know? Right Right now, yeah, where we can challenge so many things and we can look at things from other people's lenses. And I think that's, you know, that again, it goes back to where I I just, I love the the counter to a lot of this either or thinking out there. I, I think we had it for a while because it was good. It was like, all of this is good. All of this is bad. But then when you get into the nuances of things, because we're all unique beings on this earth, everyone has nuance, every single issue, whatever you want to talk about in society, it all has nuance. Just like you talked about, whether it be a Donald Trump or someone like him, there are those nuances. He listened. He did have humility, which is great. As as you uh, illustrated that, that was was amazing and, and insightful because, again- If you listen, you understand where, I mean, for him, it's advantageous, of course, but he still listened to a people that felt they weren't being listened to. And when you listen, you understand where it came from. It's an aha moment. And it's the same on the flip side where, you know, when we're fighting and have been fighting for civil rights and trying to understand if somebody on the other side can just listen and both sides can listen. There's something beautiful that can happen for me. I, you right. know, at, at the end of all of this, I, I think whether you are on opposite ends of a conversation or something controversial, if someone can be heard, people just want to be heard. People want to be heard people and just listen be heard, to
1: man. And you. And you know what I think too, Dave? Just because I could be wrong, right? There's a there's a chance that Donald Trump didn't listen to a motherfucking thing, right? <laughs> that he's just up there doing what he wants to do, and, sure. and, and he's seeing that people are into it, and he just continues doing it. That could be the case, but it's hard not to think that it's that he doesn't know that there's a that he's not playing into a thing, right? Yeah. He has to be playing. You know, it's hard. To, it's hard for me to believe that he that he doesn't have any understanding at all of the people who he's talking to. It just seems like it's I don't know. Just wanted to add that. Messianic narcissism.
0: So I just learned what malignant narcissism was. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. But 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 the <laughs> Yeah. Very very interesting. I mean that's 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 all I mean there are so many episodes coming out of this. I'm like, I I, I want to address yeah. it. I I need to speak to Narcissism, but the messianic part—what is that? Do you?
1: He calls it. Yeah, he calls it malignant messianic narcissism. And I'm not going to do it a great. If 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 anybody's out there and they're interested in this topic at all, uh, David R. Hawkins is an amazing amazing teacher. I I got all his books. It's a certain energy of a of a leader where Mm. they just—it's really—it's deeply narcissistic. It's deeply about him and what he wants, and about him him being dominant. I'm not doing it justice, but. No, it could be you're... that, but the, I think in the case of Donald Trump, I think, and now we're talking about Donald Trump. I think in the, in his case, he has to be in some way uh, conscious that that uh, of of the people and what they want. And it seems like he's a, just a big buffoon, but I don't think that's the whole <laughs> thing. There's a team behind not, that. The, not, there there's is meetings that happen. There's, yeah. you know, but, know
0: But who knows? However, what I do want to touch upon because this is one thing I am not privy to in knowing you for so long. I want to understand about the hypnosis. So we tapped into oh, NLP. Yeah. We tapped into your leadership yeah. coaching. This hypnosis right. thing, I'm fascinated because one, you know, I have some thoughts on it, but I need to understand one, why did you get certified in it? And two, how does it how does it help others?
1: So so for me, I understand that to be a coach, whether it's a life coach, executive coach, I understand that there's a stigma around that, and you know, you're just you're a second rate uh, therapist, or mm. you know, you went to a weekend school and now you're not now you you five hundred dollars an hour. Like, I know that there's a certain stigma around coaches at this point. I know that some of it's true. There's lots of people that have read a, read one of these books and now they're doing that on people, and that's okay. Yeah. That's what you do. That's fine. I I aim to separate myself from the pack. So I went and got a real certification or ICF certification. And after I got my ICF certification, it was like the pandemic hit and I was like, I was looking for ways to to grow and to improve. And I started thinking about it and I was like, well, what is uh, a coach is able to be able to dig up and to find, okay, what's the limiting belief? What's happening mm-hmm. there? What's the thing behind your mm-hmm. behavior? What's the thing behind what you're experiencing? And I thought, well, if I can dig if I, if I can as a coach be able to dig that up. Man, imagine that I can dig that up and then really be able to to manipulate it in some way or to really be able to heal some of those thoughts or some of those behaviors. And I thought hypnosis would be really cool. What if what if you could bring that into your practice? Uh, start to and the hypnosis that I learned, just so you know, it's not yeah. like stage hypnosis where I'm like, Dave, you're getting sleepy, <laughs> sleepy. and give me yeah. all your money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not it's not really a, the hypnosis that I learned was more, um, it's conversational hypnosis.
0: Huh.
1: And then the the deeper hypnosis that I learned, it's almost like guided meditation. Wow. It's almost like a powerful okay. guided meditation that I do with people. Huh. So I sit down, I'll talk to you. I'll figure out, okay, so what's the thing that you really want? And I'll do this sometimes with a client that's like, you know what? I just really can't see it. I can't, Like I can, I can't, I can't really see the goal. Okay. So let's tell me about, tell me about it. And then I'll create like almost like a guided meditation that I do with them. I'll put them in a the trance. I get them in a the trance, very relaxed state. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember the brainwave state, if it's theta or delta or whatever it is. But I get them in a really relaxed state and then begin to suggest things so that they can, in their mind, be able to see things. Hmm. And think about it. If, if For something, for you to think something is true, you basically you have to experience it to sure. some degree. You, know, you have to see it. You have to feel it. You have to be able to hear it. Maybe you can even smell it, right? So right, I right. I start to create that for people so that they can actually experience it to some degree. So mm-hmm. once you start to experience it, you start to believe, oh, I can do this. I can really Yeah, I've seen it. I've been in it. I I remember the first time I ever did an NLP session or a, a hypnosis session with a woman, and I can still see it. I can still see what she walked me through as if it already as if it actually happened. Wow. It's like in my memory. Wow. Like that's, it's like there, it's like, it's like it really happened. I can see it. I know it didn't happen, but yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess I, I you know, went off on a little tirade, but basically the thing was I wanted to separate myself from the pack. Uh, I wanted to be able to give people value that other coaches were not providing for people. And I wanted to be able to impact people's lives in a lot more powerful way. And it's the same thing with NLP. That's the same reason I learned NLP. I learned NLP because I saw that all the best coaches, all like a lot of the biggest, best, most famous, uh, most well-renowned and uh, successful coaches had all had some NLP experience. So I was like I want if that's the case and I want to learn that too. I learned NLP and I learned hypnosis because I really wanted to separate myself from the pack. So that's really the reason. So Well, I'm
0: in I'm intrigued by it because yeah, I hypnosis all I thought about was, you know, yeah, the stage hypnosis, but and, you know, supposedly manipulating someone as long as they want to be manipulated. But in this case, the fact that it's it, it sounds like meditation on, on a few different levels. And it also sounds like a guided.
1: You know, what it is. It,
0: it, I, I, I'll be honest. I haven't yeah, done please. it like as a whole session. Mm.
1: I'll do it like as part of a session. So if we get to a point, I'll, if we get to a point where I just get the sense where it could be helpful I'll throw it in there, but I've never, I've, I, I've since I left, I haven't like, I've never had like a whole hypnosis session, because mm. there are people who are straight up, hypno- they they're straight up hypnosis, the hyp straight up hypnotherapist, and that's what they do. They'll do a whole session that I'm a coach, so I'll use it as a tool. Same thing with NLP, I'll use it as a tool, but I won't use it as like a whole. I have not used it as like a whole session. If you want to do one, we could do one though.
0: Yeah, let's do one. So if someone says, I want to be a leader. I want to have these leadership qualities. Is there in fact like this one step you always give to a client or you tell a person or does it really come down to the individual?
1: If someone comes to me and and says, I really want to either I want to be a leader and and, or improve my own leadership skills. Yeah. Yeah. First thing that comes up for me is first learn to lead yourself. Mm. Like don't try to fix the world, fix you. Right? And not even to mean that you need to be fixed. I don't think anyone needs to be fixed. But what I what I mean by that is look to unfold and to go inside of yourself and find that part of you that is great, right? And step into that, right? Don't try to heal other people, heal you. And then leadership kind of goes along with that. Because what'll happen is. If people see that you are changing, if people see a a difference in you, if if people see success in you, then they'll naturally start to follow you. You don't have to go out and search for people and look for people, right? Just Mm -hmm. you showing up in the way that you show up, people will start to follow or not. And that's fine, too.
0: And that was a dope point. I, I think we can... And this one on because I, I I do think that's beautiful. And again, I appreciate you. I appreciate this conversation as always. Thank you, brother. And for anybody that wants to know more on what Brian Winston is doing, you can go to brianwinstoncoaching.com. It's Brian with a Y. You can also check him out on Instagram, B, Mark with a C, C Winston, this guy's tricky over here with his uh, (laughs) letter changes in the name, B-M-A-R-C-W-I-N-S-T-O-N. If you dug this conversation, if you resonated in some type of way, share it, five-star review it, let us know in the comments. Hit me up, hit Brian up on his IG, hit me up on my IG, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Let me know who else you want to speak to because I want to keep these conversations going. I want to keep the movement going. I want to keep the openness and good people. Black love fam, until next time, peace, love, and heal yourself. We out.
1: Peace, everybody. Love y'all.